Hi, Peter Balker here, and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now, joining me today in the studio is Michelle Rockwood, who is the author. Hi, Michelle, author of Hello. Joyful Selling. Welcome to the studio, Michelle. Thank you so much. I'm excited to dive into this conversation. So the first question I ask, I mean, I know your book is recently released. What was the inspiration behind the book? Oh, great question. This book came together out of exhaustion, which I know you've talked about on your podcast, but I could not, and I teach selling, I could not say these things one more time to my clients. I was going to fall over. So I thought, you know what? I'm either going to quit, run for the hills screaming. All of this information is going to die with me if I get hit by a bus. So I'm going to take a year and I'm going to thoughtfully write it down so that when people come to me, they are already understanding the methodology behind what I teach in Joyful Selling. And they can start from really a place of confidence and we don't need to have this back and forth and makes my life easier. So now, Peter, I say, oh, sure, you want to work with me? Go read the book. I'll see you during our first call. So it's a requirement now of everyone who works with me. And it's really special. No, oh, thank you for that. I mean, joyful selling. Some people would probably say that's kind of an oxymoron. How can you have joyful selling? Because most people, they actually dread the sales call. Yeah, absolutely. And it's as terrifying, right, for people as public speaking or death. And it doesn't have to be this way. And I don't know, I've tried to research a bit of the origins of how we got here, but we keep building upon it, upon the past traditional sales in our minds as a society, and it has to stop. It does not need to be this way. And I think especially with the pandemic and everything going on, we realize that the person on the other end is a human being mm. and they have a family and they have needs and they have desires. And so does the salesperson. And when we tap into that and we remember first that we're speaking with another human being and we use some of the tools that I teach and I know you use with your team, then we have this different meeting of human beings and this connection that your clients remember for the rest of their lives. And I say that, like it's become almost a tagline of mine, host sales calls your clients will remember for the rest of their lives because mine do. And they message me years later and they don't say, they don't remember anything I said on the sales conversation, but they say, I remember how you made me feel. And I've had hugs and tears and messages about how I made them feel on that sales conversation. And the thing is, is I remember it too, because they mattered to me and I knew what I was helping them step forward in, just like in your, in your business, we're helping them step forward into something really, really big. And so my words, my presence on that call, my ability to connect with them really, really matters. And I take that seriously. So here's an interesting, so I hear what you're saying, and I think a lot of things that I'm hearing right now is that people in a sales environment are damn confused. And what I mean by that, yeah, we used to do face-to-faces and we used to go and visit people. You've got the phone. There's now sort of, during sort of lockdown, there was the video. 
And all of a sudden, the world's opened back up again, and it's like, well, how the heck should I sell? Do I actually pick up the phone? Do I go and see someone? Do I use video? And they're like really confused and do not know where to start. So my question to you is, okay, how have you overcome this sort of this dilemma in your business, given that we sort of really transitioned over the last five years? Have you managed that transition? Yeah, great question. So it's really important that no matter how you're hosting sales calls, you do it in a way that feels really good to you. So if you're terrified of a certain way of connecting, whether it's face-to-face, it's never going to work for you. So either somebody has to do it for you or you need to change. But for me and my business and what I teach is it's really important to set up boundaries. And that's one of the reasons right away that a salesperson doesn't feel great is because they're meeting when the client wants to meet, at the time the client wants to meet, in the means the client wants to meet. And they're often dialing the client and that's that chasing energy. And so for me and what works in my business and for my clients is to have a boundary that we meet face-to-face, camera on, on a Zoom call at a set time. And the boundaries are so not strict, but also really in loving support of our clients that we don't reschedule those missed calls. And when you put in these fierce, fierce boundaries, you're different. And so when they see that pop up on their calendar and they go, what? No rescheduling to missed calls? I need to show up face-to-face. And you can say this in a really loving, kind way. It doesn't need to be rude or anything at all. Then they, they sit up tall. They show up on time and they lean in. And that's how we want to start that conversation not you catching somebody on a Sunday while they're mowing their lawn and their kids are running around. So what are the most common mistakes that salespeople make on calls and how can they avoid them? Oh, I think this is the number one easiest thing people can shift right away. They do not set an intention for the sales conversation. And let me share with you what I mean by that specifically. So when you get on a sales conversation, I sure as heck hope you don't just dive right in. You make some banter and rapport, just like you and I did. Where are you? How's the weather? That sort of a thing. So you connect as a human being. But then the very first thing you need to do every, no matter what you're selling, is set an intention at the top of the call or give a roadmap for what they can expect. Now, somebody comes on a sales call and their bodies are tensed up and they're, oh my God, when are they going to pitch to me? When are they, how much of my money are they going to take? And they're tensed up. But if you say, hey. Here's my intention for our time together. I'd like to really understand your business, where you are, where you want to go. And then if it feels like a good fit for both of us, now I'm telling them I'm checking them out as much as they're checking me out. I'm happy to share with you how I work with clients and your next steps moving forward. How does that sound? So it's just these two little sentences And it really helps you even, I mean, this makes sense in all of life, right? My kid was terrified of soccer until he knew the rules and he understood what was happening. And then he got out there and he kicked some butt. You'll visually, and you should be hosting calls face-to-face with your clients, you'll see them relax. It's really neat. They'll be like this, their shoulders. And then you set this intention. Is that why you're here? And you get your first yes, right? Is, are you here so that we could talk about your business And then I can, you know, tell you more about how I work and they go, ah, yeah, that sounds great. And I want to make sure X, Y, and Z. 
Great. I hear you. Let's make sure to get that in too. So this little teeny tiny thing is what 90, I listen in on sales calls all the time. Most people are missing and this will relax your client. It will relax you and it will give a framework for your time right. together. Now, I know that in your book, you talk about the five golden rules. Tell yeah. us a bit more about the five golden rules. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. So I talk about what I call the five golden rules to sales call setup. So now before you even host a sales conversation, it's really important that you do a few things. And we've already talked about them here. But one, host a call face-to-face. -face. Now I know we all are lazy. We don't want to get dressed in the morning. We want to just grab that phone. We want to make it easy for the customer. But if you're selling a high ticket program or you're selling even something for just a few thousand pounds or dollars or whatever currency you're in, it's really important that you host calls face-to-face -face so that the client is not walking around the liquor store aisle or whatever it is that they're doing uh, in, in Target over here in the U.S. It's really important that they're face-to-face -face connected. And you can just make sure that when you book the call, you send out a reminder email that has this in a few times. The other thing is, even before this step, you want to limit your availability. And especially for new people who are new to business, they want to be available whenever the client is. But especially, I know a lot of your listeners are solopreneurs, you're actually not available all the time. And you can't take calls at seven, eight, when the kids are, it's time for bed. And so it's really important to limit your availability to three, max four times a day. And I would just say even a, a few days a week, but you also only want to go three to four days out. Right. So our brains are silly and that if we've seen something like one of your amazing videos, Peter, we go, oh my God, that guy's amazing. I want to book a call with him. But four days later, we start to forget, even you, um, you know, we start to forget that feeling we had and why we booked that call. So time right. is of the essence and you will have guaranteed no shows if you start booking out further than that. So face-to-face, -face, limit your availability. And then we already talked about this a little bit, but setting up those boundaries where you don't reschedule missed calls. If someone no-shows on you, and I've taken hundreds of calls, uh, selling high ticket for years, if someone no-shows on you, the chances of them buying are not good, right? If somebody reschedules, the chances of them buying are not good. So let's just nip that in the butt in the beginning and do this really kindly. All it needs to be is an asterisk at the bottom of your email please kindly note, I do not reschedule missed calls. And you again will be amazed. Who is this girl? What? what she think, what? Okay. She doesn't want my business. And they show up every time. So those are three things right away that you can do. The other thing, and this is going to be a little bit industry specific, but each of you are going to have your time limit your calls to 45 minutes. I will bring someone, a skilled sales professional who is following five steps to bring a client to a choice. And that choice isn't a yes, it's a yes or a no. Yes, if we're, are, we come into the sales conversation with the energy of, I must sell this person at all costs, you shoot yourself in the foot and you end up you know, down a different aisle. So you want to really come with an open energy of, hey, I'm going to help this client on the short call 
come to a choice, yes or no, as to their next best steps. When you work that way, it's often working with you, but really you should host those calls in 45 minutes. Now, if you're doing, you know, an hour and a half, work to get it to an hour. If you're doing two hour calls, work to get it to shorter. And some of the reasons for this is you are losing control or command of the call when you're letting it go that long. That means you're letting, yes, you're letting the, the, the client go into story about all their problems or Peter, this is a really common one. You start to coach them on their problem. And that is a deal killer. You need to coach them on the decision to get help around the problem, not start to solve the problem too much on that sales conversation. So how many, how many am I at, Peter? I know there's one more, I think. Yeah, you have four at the moment. At four. What is the fifth one? Uh, host calls face to face. Don't reschedule. Limit your calls to 45 minutes. Um, what was the other one? How am I missing this? We're going to have to, we're going to have to look at chapter three of my book here, page 27 to get them all. Yes. Okay. Host calls face-to-face. Here's, this is a really good one. Okay. So this is the last one. Only take calls at times that work for you. And this is really, really important, especially if you're a solopreneur, um, if you're going to coach someone or you're going to be providing a service. If you're the only time your client is available is at 5 p.m. at night and you're never available at that time, you're wasting your time and you're also not going to feel your best. So I always take sales calls at 9 and 11 my time because the kids, they're off to school. I've gotten my exercise in. I've gotten my coffee and I'm feeling settled and relaxed and ready to connect with the person in front of me. Every time I deviate from this. It doesn't go well. So really what we're doing is we're working smarter. We're working in alignment. Just like everything else in your business, you just need to tighten it up, right? How do we work smarter and smarter and smarter? Huh, I feel great at nine. People enroll on that call. I feel ready to connect. I don't at five or six or seven. We'd never be a fit to work with each other anyway. And really keeping that energy up, making sure you feel amazing after every call even if it's a no, then you're ready for that next person as opposed to wanting to flop down on the couch going, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. No, that makes total sense. Have you got an, can you, is there, have you got an example perhaps that you could share of a particularly successful sales call you've had and what made it so successful? Hmm. Well, I've had so many, but there's one in particular that stands out in my mind and you might find this kind of funny, but I am a mom. I have three boys and it's really important to take them to school and pick them up to me. That's just something that's really important to me. And my littlest one, and I'm committed to giving him as much attention as the first, which if you have multiple kids, you know, that's just impossible. And I couldn't take as many. I wanted to take three sales calls a day while he was in preschool. And if I drove him there and back, I couldn't. So instead I took sales calls out of my car right? And this was before the Zoom rule, right? This was before people were on Zoom. And um, I'm still doing this to this day sometimes if I get in a pickle, but thanks to the background in Zoom, nobody knows. Um, And so I'm in my minivan, which is luxurious. The doors open. It's fabulous. And I'm talking to a particular client and I'm enrolling her in a program. And I just know, and this is so often, I, 
I picture where I am during that call and I can still picture what direction I was facing, what the weather was like, what I felt like, how she made me feel and the connection that we had. So it's not even those words, like I said, that I can remember. I just know how special it was. And I know this was such a turning point in that client's life because she decided to join a coaching program that changed the entire trajectory of her business. She sold her business, worked for herself, now makes hundreds of thousands of dollars, supports her family as the primary breadwinner. Like it, it was so important. And it was in my minivan. And I took it at the times I felt good. And I did it in a way that worked for me, right? Pretty bizarre in a parking lot in your minivan. But that really was an amazing, and I have so many, I can remember, you know, the book I had in my hand and how we were connecting over shared literature, you know, and these things and just remembering that connection with other human beings. And that's those big hugs I get when I see people at live events or, oh my gosh, you, how do I work with you? I didn't enroll two years ago, but I remember how you made me feel. And I want to do that for other clients. Nice. How do you handle object objections related to budget constraints? And the reason I'm asking that is because right now the economy around the world is quite stretched. And budget constraints seems to be coming up quite a bit. What are the, some, yeah. of, some of the sort of strategies you use to communicate the value of your services to potential clients? Absolutely. So if you are getting the money objection anytime in the economy, we really have to look to other parts of the sales conversation. And money is typically, I know there's sometimes there's an exception, never a real objection. It is often in American culture, and I'm sure in the UK as well, it is a scapegoat to avoid the actual objection. I once had a sister-in-law who said she couldn't afford to go to a movie with me. The thing was, she didn't want to go to a movie with me. We're so conditioned to spit out of our mouth, I can't afford it. So my first, we need to make sure that we're hosting a proper embodied sales call where you're helping a client understand their actual problem. And even if you're not a money coach or you're helping somebody in business specifically, there's a real cost to staying stuck. My years ago, my marriage, I've been married now, I'm very happily married, but marriage counseling is freaking expensive, right? It is incredibly expensive. And so a skilled salesperson would help point that out to me not to be icky or slimy or anything, but to help me understand I was actually paying over 500 US dollars a month for marriage counseling. Let's add that up for years. So there's a real cost to staying stuck where you are. And it's your job as the salesperson to not at the end of the call when you're objection busting, to do it at the beginning of the call to help a client understand the cost of staying stuck and then the lost opportunity cost. And now we really want to have that conversation with them and care. What, where is it that you want to go? Where, how, what does that look like? How many times have you been passed over for that raise? What was that raise? 25 US dollar, thousand dollars a year? That's a hell of a lot of money, right? So we're really helping a client understanding the cost. And then when you get, if you do get, and you've hosted that sales call properly, those objections, I have a chapter called celebrating objections. You really want to shift your mindset. And when you start getting this back and forth where your clients are objecting, those are buying questions. I don't have the time. Awesome. That's fantastic. Let me show you. Let's talk about that more. 
And so you want to see that as an open door to more conversations. Mm -hmm. And your job is to get to the heart of the real objection. So if somebody's saying, this is too much money, tell me more, help me understand. And when you're open about it, now we can start having a conversation about their real objection. And it's probably they don't think they're going to get the results you've been talking about. And so now we can move to that conversation. Okay, that makes absolute sense. How would you handle a situation where the potential client seems disinterested or unengaged during the sales call? Ooh, you're giving me some good ones, Peter. Break rapport. I just said your name there. That is a trick to break rapport. I took the attention away from you for a quick second, right? And I said, Peter, Peter, you might even have to say it three times, Peter. And that breaks rapport. And now you can take back command of the conversation and you can ask the client. It doesn't seem like typically when folks are on a call with me, they're very excited about X, Y, and Z. And it's really important as a salesperson to be confident to speak the truth and to say what's on your mind and that'll snap the client out of it say their name (laughs) and you know that that is simple but how many people do not do that it is so simple but the other thing is is as in polite society we don't say what we think And when we're on a sales conversation as your job, whether it's coach, business professional, however you're serving your clients, you're going to be exceptional and different. And one of those ways you're demonstrating how you're different is on that sales conversation. And so when you let the client babble on or not be interested or multitask and you don't call them out on it, you don't need to be mean, but hey, are you interested? Is, how important is this to you? And I can, I say that all the time. I take calls, multiple calls every day. I say, is how important is this to you? It seems like maybe you're just here to kind of gather a little bit of information. Am I? Is that true? And and getting an affirmative or a negative from them? No, no, no. I'm very interested. I'm sorry. Let Let's start over. Really, the way to go. And it just takes. Hey, are you sure? Is, do you want me to keep talking? Very simple skills. No, awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Many people will find that extremely useful. So if people want to sort of get in touch with you, find out more about what you do, connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the best way is to head on over to Amazon and whatever country you're in, you can get my book, Joyful Selling, A Better Way to Yes for Heart-Centered Coaches. And you can grab that book and you can start hearing more of what we talked about here today. And you can also go to my website, michellerockwood.com and get some freebies and resources there and connect with me directly. Perfect. Now, if you've enjoyed today's episode, you've taken some value out of it and it's useful, please make sure that you like it so that we get we get the like on YouTube. If you know anybody else that could benefit from today's message, please share it with them. And also to make sure you don't miss future episodes, make sure you subscribe If anything's resonated with you today and you want to know more, head over to bullcode.com and get in touch. And Michelle, thank you very much for being such an awesome guest. Yeah, thanks so much. This was a blast. Thank you very much. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Take care, everyone.